0: Welcome back to Custom of Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be covering Season of Storms, chapters 8, and it 2 through 4. So, this bit is where the interconnected short story angle really starts to come into play um, because we have multiple plots sort of being juggled, um, and, and some of them connect and some of them don't, and the main connection is Geralt as a pawn to all of them. Uh, and, and that's why the structure of this book is so strange, um, you know, because he, he you know, there were mentions of Lita and some of the stuff at Karak way back when in the short stories implying that Sapkowski had this in mind, but then it never happened and it came, came to fruition in t- 2013, you know, it has a very different feel to the saga books, and, uh, but, but because of that epilogue, I have to cover it. Well, you know last and which causes this weird disconnect where the saga at times could be funny yes but at at other times was um very very dark and of a very different tone and feel and structure to season storms which is why it's such an oddity and so the the main crux of this is Geralt going to find uh you know uh his swords and more complications and him getting involved with a bunch of stuff and uh I, I think the, the the main connective tissue throughout everything is the way in which mages are involved. Pyral Pratt's uh bodyguard is a cross between an ogre and a dwarf, which is not a breed that can actually happen without magical interference. Uh and the monster that Gout fights in the arena, uh, set up by Pyro which was uh, also, like a, a throne fight was uh, was a magically enhanced, magically created monster. It's not something that can naturally exist. You know, and, and within that, you get, uh, you know, Gout going to Lita, uh Lita pointing him to uh, uh, to Risenberg Castle, which will become important later. And some of the, the correspondence in the interludes between Peneti and Lita. That really showed that the mages in this area have their fingers in every pie; they're involved in some sort of way. And and I mean that really set that up way back in the in in the first uh, interlude, I believe, where she mentions that she you know she has a, she runs a free enterprise, so there's nothing that the king can do. You know, this is a free market economy, and that, that really shows that the the magic one presenters are. Not only involved with a lot of things, uh, and their, their legacy of what they leave behind, even if they're not directly involved, is felt everywhere and Geralt is sort of being pulled and pushed to various different directions involving these mages, or in the case of Kerak, into the politics with, uh, you know, with, uh, the Eggman, Xander, and all that, and the, the, essentially the sting operation that, uh, Fernda set up for him, uh, to test his, uh, in, in, you know, integrity, uh, and, and Something that I, I think really works well is that, uh, Pyro mentions that one of the, one of the failings of Fan is the insistence on evidence. Is like, you know, you can, you can leave a goat, you know, with, with, with a bunch of vegetables and you may come in later and the vegetables are gone. The goat seems to be satisfied and may be shitting vegetables, but there's no evidence to say that the goat ate the vegetables, and therefore can be let off. Uh, and, you know, Pyron being an ex-priest, uh, now uh, head of organized crime, uh, you know, running stage fights, running a prostitution ring, uh, we get the feeling that Ravelin is a, um, you know, sort of a, a place of sin and vice, uh, and he's the kingpin around here. And with the, the, the Lantovas, uh you know, Sting operation that he ran on Geralt, uh we we see that the the conflict between evidence required and easy to judge. That Walden Lenhover did think highly of Geralt somewhat because of his, you know, uh, you know, his family members' recommendation, that being Dandelion he still was insurance so he needed evidence and th- there's this implication that things are amorphous and without uh without strict evidence even though it is plain to see uh, and easy to to take a gander at and, and connect the dots one cannot uh simply do that in in most cases that that evidence is required whether it be the law or not and that will come into play later because uh Garrett being uh, pushed around as a pawn throughout all these different uh, short stories, effectively, the the character politics and uh, the mage stuff and stuff yet to come, uh, they're using him as a linchpin because they can then... Provide evidence to say that he was involved here, and uh, they're they're scot free. Even though your eyes clearly show you that that's not true, the law can be bent for whatever reason it wants, Uh, um, and and can be abused in such a way. I I, I do like the little detail that Pyro has grown bored of his life of crime, and the lines suggest he gets into politics, Uh, and that's just very, very amusing. Um, and there's a there's a connection that we had there that that politics is just another form of crime in a way. Uh, it's it's a very cute moment. Uh, I I do like the the little addition of that. Seeing how the uh, we've got aspects of this in the previous stuff, uh, especially in the very first short story, but uh, this really shows uh the, the way in which Geralt is different from other Witchers is that. Uh, when Eggmund and Dandelover do their little sting operation, um, and then at the end, you know, sort of suggest that he get involved, um, and he's like, "I can't do that with my swords anyway." Blah blah blah. That, um, w- one thing of of note is that other witches have gotten involved with other things, and they're not always killing monsters. And uh, no matter how much guilt insists, you know witchers just do x they don't do y uh every other witcher disproves that he is the exception not the rule that essentially because of the way in which the the free market economy has moved and capitalism has moved witcher you know, witchers need money and well monsters are drying out monsters are dying out there isn't that much of a um, you know, not, not much of a lucrative business there anymore, as discussed in the first short story, "The Last Wish. Uh, and so more and more witches are turning to bodyguard duty, to assassin duty, to blah, blah, blah. Whereas Geld means wretchedly monster hunter, that's it. And they're they're trying to prove to him that uh, witches aren't neutral. Because once again, the witcher code is something that Geralt made up himself it's not something that comes from any other source it was something that he made himself to keep himself on the straight and narrow as he defines it and so he's being tested uh as we know he'll definitely be tested in the saga but now we're we're seeing the cracks in that mentality uh you know that that sort of ties into the way he Things and lesser evil and and so forth. Um, the 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 very convenient way that uh, the Galton uh, get, gets a sword back is is a very cute, very fairy tale esque, uh, and uh, will be um, you know it, it's just kind of a a fun little uh, nod to the 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 artificiality of of Witcher, but also how so it doesn't take itself too seriously um the this book is very much in line with the more lighthearted uh short stories but will get dark when it needs to uh and so with the uh you know with that tongue-in-cheek mentality i think that really helps and, and i i do like how the, the swords they're not special as i brought up before and even pyro mentions it dandelion mentions it gout mentions it that None of none of the swords are special. It's it's just it's it's a pride thing, an ego thing for Geralt, and this is leading him into all the different short story subplot things, and it, it's just kind of a fun inversion of where. The saga was about Geralt uh, trying to find Ciri and getting her back, and that was, that was very emotional. This is a microcosm of that on a very small scale, on a very superfluous scale, and that, that adds a little bit of irony of what we know will come in the future. Uh, this is. Uh... You know this is just a nice little uh teaser for what is the come tie in uh the character the stuff with the the, the 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 weird monster stuff that's been going on and we're soon to hit the um, uh uh the mage stuff and along with you know the swords being all in involved in it. it you know, this th- this book has this weird. Uh, ...structure where it bounces from one plot to the other, but not in a traditional A-plot, B-plot, C-plot way. And some of the plots don't even connect in in any substantive way. Uh, There's one in particular that can be so... ...so distanced from what's going on that it was released separately by Dark Horse Comics... ...as its own separate thing in a comic book adaptation. So... Uh, you know, it's really hard to uh, articulate uh, just how these things are connected and not connected at the same time, and how this has a very strange structure compared to the other books, whereas first two are short story depending on to what there's thematics running through them versus, uh, the you know, the five very, very strong, very interconnected uh, saga books, which are amazing, because uh, of how they interweave every small little detail uh, versus this where it's tangentially related, but it's more of a bounce and bounce and bounce kind kind of thing. Um feels very T V in a way, uh but like early to mid Two thousands T V where Everything's not serialized. It hasn't gotten full serialized like we have in the 2010s onwards, but ha- but isn't fully episodic like it was in the 90s and before. So it's sort of this middle ground, and uh, sometimes that causes oddities in the pacing and the structure. Um, uh, more, more on that, obviously, when uh, that becomes even more apparent, uh, especially when we get to a particular portion, which is the portion that was taken out by Dark Horse. But anyway, I have to see you next time. Until then, bye.